newspaper in the other. If some of you know who that was, you let me know. But I um, left my newspaper up here from earlier, and I'll just keep that over there. Well, this is the, the first opportunity that I've had to speak at Ocean View, and I'm really excited. Uh, I hope you are excited as well. When I, when I used to preach every Sunday, um, I would practice on my walk from our house to the church. And I knew that if I got to the last point in conclusion in the 20, 25 minutes that it took me to walk, that I was in good shape for the morning. Well, on my walk this morning, I only got through the introduction. I live right over there. <laughs> this morning, I'd like you to think of the last time that you heard a message about the ascension of Jesus. Judging by the silence, one of two things probably just happened. Either you can't remember the last time you heard a message about that because it's been so long ago, or you're trying to figure out what in the world I'm talking about. Well, all summer long, we've had some really great questions. And this morning, there's another one. Let me pause just to say that if you want some notes to follow along, there are some clipboards, markers, and a treat at the back. Here's the question for this morning. Why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Why is that a significant event? And is it true that he ascended twice? Well, that's actually three questions. But because Darren isn't here, I have the privilege of trying to answer those this morning. And rather than looking to Wikipedia or trying to Google that, we're going to look into God's Word for the answers. Should we have a sword drill? Bible's up? The event is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So if you've got a Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 24. Or if you've got a device, turn that on so that you can follow along. The event is actually recorded in just one single verse, Luke 24, 51. But I'd like to read some verses around it just to give us a bit of the context and some more of the story that's going on. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 46. Luke 24, 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the, from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And here's verse 51. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. The event is written uh, one more time for us, and that's in the book of Acts. So flip through the Gospel of John to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I think it will be helpful again to read some verses around it. So I'm going to begin verse 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. There we go. That's it. That's the event to which I'm referring to this morning. The ascension of Christ. Well, no wonder there's questions about this event. Uh, with those two verses, and really that's the only time that it's mentioned in the Acts or the Gospels. So, with those two brief dis- descriptions, uh, we have very little about this event. And I don't know about you, but in the churches I attended growing up, we didn't talk a lot about this. We talked about the death and the resurrection of Christ, but we've seldom talked about the ascension of Christ. And so, of course, you might be puzzled by the details this morning. After all, with two separate descriptions, it might seem like Jesus ascended into heaven twice. So let me try to answer that question. It's a little bit like putting this puzzle together. I brought uh, one of our puzzles from home, and uh, it's a really big floor puzzle. So you can see the pictures, all all you visual learners. It's kind of like this. We've got two pieces of the puzzle, and they we're not quite sure how it goes together. We can see it's it's part of the same picture, but it doesn't seem like they they fit together. Well, it's kind of like that this morning. We've read two separate accounts. We're trying to figure out how does this fit together. Well, we know one piece for sure. We know that Jesus ascended into heaven. And so, it's kind of like this corner piece. I don't know about you, but when I put puzzles together, I always start with the edges, especially the corners. I look for all four corners, and then I work from there. Well, this one piece we know for sure. Jesus ascended into heaven. We've, we've just read about that event. But when it comes to reconciling these two events, it might actually be a lot easier than you think. If you're still in the book of Acts, look at verse uh, 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So it seems like Luke wrote two books. I think that other book was the Gospel of Luke. So if you flip back to the beginning of Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. It seems to me that after Luke had researched everything, that he wrote two separate books. One that begins 
with everything that Jesus did and taught up till the point that he ascended. And then his second book started with the ascension and then carried on from there. Doesn't that make sense? So, rather than thinking about it as as two separate events, I think we can assume that it's the same event written two different ways. Well, back in 1985, uh, John Maley gave the Tyndall New Testament lecture, and he he quoted a a guy from 1909, B.W. Bacon. How would you love to have a name like that? Listen to what he says, though, because I think he confirms this. He says, both passages refer to the eleven, to world mission as the necessary prerequisite to the coming of the kingdom, to the need to stay in Jerusalem and await the coming of the Spirit, to the role of the disciples as witnesses, to Jesus being received up into heaven, to the same geographical location, which is Bethany or the Mount of Olives, to the return to Jerusalem and to the attendance at the temple and prayer. Not only is the subject matter clearly the same, there are numerous linguistic parallels which underline the identical nature of the incidents recorded. Basically what he's saying is, Luke didn't write two separate events. He wrote two books and recorded the same event. I think the significance of that we'll get to in a few minutes. But that's Puzzle piece number one. I think we can hang on to that corner piece. Jesus ascended once into heaven at the end of his ministry on earth. But still I've found that it's really common, especially among older churchgoers, to hold on to this, this um, idea that Jesus may possibly have ascended into heaven twice. Well, where is that coming from? I think it might possibly come from not the Gospel of Luke or the other book that Luke wrote, but the Gospel of John. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 20, verse 17. And I'd like to read this verse, not from the New International Version that I'm using this morning, but rather from the 1611 King James Version, which is still pretty common and I'm sure many of you use as well. John 20, 17 says this in King James, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for... I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Now, in my NIV from 1984, it doesn't use the word ascend. It just says, I am returning to my Father. But a number of translations, King James being one of them, and the revised 2011 version of New International, uses the word ascend rather than return, and it causes readers to wonder, well, how many times did Jesus ascend into heaven? How many times did this event happen? Now, keep in mind, we're still hanging on to this corner piece of the puzzle. We know that Jesus ascended into heaven once, but we're we're asking that question, well, did it happen more than once? Well, back to the puzzle box to find some more pieces that we can hang on to. Flip back into Luke, if you will, just for a minute. Luke chapter 24, 51 records the event. We know that. But flip back to chapter 23 and verse 43. This is what he says. 
Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today I will be with you in paradise. Do you remember the story? Jesus is hanging on the cross. A thief turns to him and says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Fast forward. Jesus dies. Afterwards, his body is taken off the cross by Joseph. Takes him to a tomb. So we know that Jesus' body is buried in the tomb. That's in verse uh, 53. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had been laid. So we know that Jesus' body is in the tomb. We know that his spirit is in paradise with the thief. So has he ascended into heaven on a number of occasions? That's what we're trying to figure out. What happened in between the event at the end of his ministry with all the disciples, but after the death on the cross? Hey, Bert told me a joke last week. Are you ready for it? What do you get when two rabbis try to answer one question? You get three answers. We've got several ways to look at this question this morning. So answer number one, we already have seen that Jesus ascends into heaven once. It's at the end of his ministry, despite two separate descriptions. It's not simply a third description that we're considering this morning in John 20, 17, because the details are significantly different. This time Jesus is talking to Mary, not all the disciples. He's at the tomb, not on the mountainside. So this is a different story altogether. Now, some would say that based on John 20, 17, that Jesus ascended into heaven twice. It's kind of like this progressive glorification thing going on. Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and now he says to Mary, hang on, haven't ascended to the Father yet, so he goes up to heaven, and then he comes back, and he's back and forth a couple times. It's actually a fairly common perspective to have. But, I'd like to suggest a third possible answer. This one comes more from textual criticism and also a little bit of cultural background and some cultural study. So hang with me for a minute. First, the textual criticism part. The Revised English Version has some commentary on the verses in John. I'd like you to follow along if you can. They're going to come up on the screen. One thing that we need to understand is that the Greek word in most English Bibles translated ascended is the word anabeno, which is a common Greek word and is used many times of going up in the New Testament. So examples, particularly in Matthew and Mark, would be when Jesus went up out of the water at his baptism, when Jesus went up a mountain, when the thorns came up out of the ground in the parables that Jesus taught, when Jesus and his disciples went up into a boat, when Jesus and his apostles were going up to Jerusalem, and when the multitude went up to Pilate at the court date set for Jesus' trial. The point is that anabeno is a common word for going up, from one place to another. 
That makes sense? So where is Jesus when this story in John happens? He's at the tomb. And he says to Mary, hang on a minute. I have not yet gone up to the Father. Well, if he wasn't going to heaven, where was he going? This is where some of our cultural study comes in. I'd like to suggest that Jesus went to the temple because the temple was on the top of Mount Moriah. Now, Jesus often referred to the temple as his father's house. So if Jesus was going up to his father, perhaps he was referring to going up to the temple. Also, according to the law of Moses, the high priest was to go up to the temple and wave the first fruits of the harvest during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was on the first day after the Sabbath. So on the first day of the week, Jesus appears to Mary, says, hang on, haven't yet gone up to see my father. Well, in the year that Jesus was crucified, the first day of the week, Sunday, was the 18th of Nisan. And that morning was the very day that Jesus was resurrected and appeared to Mary just outside the tomb. Now, we know that Jesus fulfilled all kinds of types and symbols that were presented in the Old Testament. Some of those, for example, he was the true high priest, and he was also the true first fruits, the first of God's true harvest, the people that would be resurrected and have everlasting life. So what I'm suggesting this morning to you as our third possibility is that Jesus waited until the sun came up to go up to the temple and present himself as the true high priest and the true first fruits. He had to make that offering, and, and because he was making an offering, he wanted to be clean, according to the Jewish customs. And Mary, who had been at the gravesite, would be unclean. And so he simply says to Mary, hang on, don't hold on to me. Don't touch me. That would make me unclean. Wait until I've gone up to see my father at his house, the temple, and then you can be with me. Of course, we know later on in that day, he met with all of the disciples that were there. He walked along the road at Emmaus. He opened the scriptures to them. He ate, he drank with them. And of course, the event that we've read from Luke and Acts, he met with all of them and then was taken up into heaven. Well, I believe that the Bible only records the information that we need to know and not all the information that we want to know. What we need to know this morning is that the ascension happened. That's really important, and I think that's, that's emphasized by the fact that Luke writes it twice. He writes it at the conclusion of Jesus' ministry as the, the highest point and, and the most glorious point of all that Jesus did and said. And then he writes it again, just before the apostles, the, the disciples, uh, do all these these amazing things, and Luke records the deeds of the disciples as a precursor to all of that. He writes about Jesus' ascension again, as though it were the foundation of everything they did. So we know that's important. But here's the question, why? Why is it so significant? And I want to answer that this morning. This is where John's perspective really helps. Luke wrote about the details of the event, but I think John explains the significance. So turn to John chapter 14, if you will. 
John tells us why it's so important. And he does so from Jesus' own words. Jesus is having a meal one last time before, before he goes to the cross. And in John 14, Jesus himself explains why it's so important. Verses 2 and 3 give us the first reason. He says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. He actually begins these verse, don't let your hearts be troubled. As an encouragement to his disciples, he explains why his ascension will be so significant. He says, first of all, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. This time he is speaking of heaven. But I think using the imagery of the temple that had many rooms, he talks about his ascension and says, the reason I'm going is so that I can prepare a place for each one of you who have decided to follow me. In 1983, uh, some of you would remember Keith Green. He did a live concert, and before he sang a song, I Can't Wait to Get to Heaven, he said this. He said, I look around and I see the trees and the animals and everything God made. And then I read the Bible, and it says that God created them in six days. And he says, I don't know if those are little six days or figurative ones. Uh, some scientists would say no, some theologians would say yes. But he said, if this world took six days and that home took 2,000 years, man, this is li like living in a garbage can compared to what's going on up there. Can you imagine the place that Jesus is preparing for each one of us? And he's been working on that since he ascended into heaven. Well, Jesus continues in the discourse with his disciples in John 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Second reason why this is so important, Jesus ascended so that even greater things could happen. What could be greater than Jesus walking around doing all these miracles and mighty deeds? We'll find out in just a minute as we keep reading. The third reason is found in verses 16 and 17. Let's keep reading. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit could come. And what's greater than Jesus living alongside us? God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. What's greater than that? God in us, living inside of us so that even greater things happen. You know what's really interesting to me is that all three persons of the Trinity is mentioned in these verses in John. And do you know that even in the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, which is used by Jehovah Witnesses, who deny a triune God, 
all three persons are referred to here. Isn't that amazing? An amazing mystery that this mysterious, awesome God would be living in us, not just simply living among us. Well, there's several reasons that Jesus himself explained. But in almost all of these reasons, he adds something to it. He says, with almost each reason, that he would return, that he would come back personally to receive his disciples. And in John 14, 18, Jesus continued, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verses 28 and 29 say something similar. You have heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. So Jesus ascended into heaven so that we would believe that he's returning for us someday as well. Are you glad this morning? Are you glad? Are you glad that Jesus ascended into heaven? Are you getting excited as I'm talking about this this morning? You're hopefully more than just simply information, more than just simply answering the question. I hope and I trust that this is getting you excited about Jesus' return. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to return. Quite frankly, I'm tired of walking around in this physical body that has aches and pains And I know that some of you have chronic pain much worse than I do. But when Jesus returns, we will get a glorious new body free from pain. There are days and weeks and sometimes months that I am tired of resisting temptation. Quite frankly, I've had enough with the sin that tempts me in my life. And I am looking for Jesus to return because when he does, The power of sin has already been broken, but when Jesus comes, the very presence of sin will be gone. I'm looking forward to that day when I no longer have to fight against the sin that tempts me. There are times when I miss those that I have known, those who have been faithful followers of Christ and yet have passed away. I long for the day that I can speak to them again, that they have been an encouragement to me and I want Jesus to return so that I can be with him in heaven but that I can talk to those that I love in this life as well. I want Jesus to return. I eagerly anticipate Jesus' return for those reasons and I get excited thinking about Jesus' return and even more excited when I think that it could be today. Some of the songs that I used to sing in church remind me, maybe morning, maybe noon, Maybe evening, maybe soon, coming again. Do you remember that chorus? Or maybe this one. Jesus is coming to earth again. What if it were today? The chorus says, Glory, glory, joy to my heart will bring. Does the reminder of Jesus' ascension this morning and the promise of his return bring joy to your heart? I hope and trust that it does. One final reason for why Jesus' ascension is so important actually comes from a different book, a book written to the Hebrews, and we're not sure who the author is. But although we believe God inspired the words, um, we can't 
pinpoint who penned them with his own hand. Look to the book of Hebrews for that reason. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. My final reason this morning why it's so important that Jesus ascended is so that he could sit down beside the Father and intercede for you and for me. And that's where we believe that he is right now. Hey, wait a minute. I thought we said he was preparing a place for us. Well, now here's my question. How can Jesus be preparing a place for you and me and sitting beside his Father at the same time? That's my question for Pastor Darren when he gets back and our Yaffe series for 2019. I want to conclude this morning uh, by reading a few more verses. They're from the book Thessalonians. And the Apostle Paul wrote this to be an encouragement to some believers there. And I want to read it this morning because I want it to be our application. If we find comfort and encouragement, from the fact that not only has Jesus ascended, but he promised that he is returning for us, then let's encourage one another to be ready for his return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, We tell you that we who are still alive and left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, Encourage each other with these words. I say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen?